This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Welcome back into another edition of College Golf Talk. Steve Burkowski, Brentley Romine with you. Hope you had a wonderful Valentine's Day, my friend. You know, <laughs> you got to keep the you got to keep those two important ladies at home, you know, happy. You know, for, for shower them with love and gifts, right? Well, you know you found the right one when she doesn't want to go out and brave the the masses for Valentine's dinner somewhere and you pay 80 bucks for a prefix meal that should should cost 30 and um so no it, it was a very low-key uh valentine's day and spent it with the the daughter too which as you know they they become your number one uh valentine you know once you have kids so but no it was, it was nice how was your valentine's day do you do you go out or, or do you no, cook? No, no. I fired up the grill. Ooh. It was Ash Wednesday yesterday for being a lapsed Catholic. So tried to keep it on the straight and narrow. The boys took care of mommy, which is all that matters. And when they say they don't want anything, don't believe it. They want something. Uh, so Luke and Chase did a fine job of uh, showering their number one Valentine. And uh, we're off and running. It's a Wednesday. I'm not going out on a Wednesday. Doesn't <laughs> matter. No, I'm too old for that. Too, when when too. was the last time? When was the last time you went out for for Valentine's dinner? <laughs> years, years. Now maybe if it fell on a weekend, but yeah, half the time I'm not home. Others, you've got lacrosse practice, soccer practice, homework, studying. Yeah, just give them a big hug. And tell me you love it. <laughs> Advice to live but, by. Yeah. Oh, yeah. See, see how far that gets you. Uh, big uh, show on tap, and we're not going to waste any time. We're going to bring in our guest, Matt Thurman, head men's golf coach from the Arizona State Sun Devils. Kind enough to get up early on the West Coast and join us on this Thursday morning. And they were just out in Hawaii where you got to go low early and often, ultimately finishing second to North Carolina, but led by their freshman, Win Yi Ding, a nine-shot victory. Matt, always good to catch up, spend some time. What are your initial reactions from how your team played and how Win Yi played as well as he's quickly making an impact on the collegiate game? Well, a team, you know, we shoot 63 under, which is a program record, uh, probably would be for most programs. That's a crazy amount under par. It wasn't good enough to beat North Carolina. They're really good this year. And, and all the other teams played well, too. The, I think they set the course up for wind, and it didn't really blow that much. So uh, you could make a lot of birdies. I mean, I think people, when they see those scores, they think it must be the easiest course ever. It's not the easiest course ever. There's lava out there, and there's there's bunkers, and it's over 7,000 yards. But, it, you know, these guys are just so good. 
and Wen Yi Ding is a perfect example of that. The guy in 54 holes was 27 under par, which again is a now a collegiate record, 189 for three rounds. Have you ever heard of that? He's, he goes 63-64. He's got like a four or five shot lead going into the final round and comes out and birdies the first five holes. Uh, and they're not easy holes. Birdies the first five holes, ends up winning by nine, 27 under par. Uh, really remarkable to see what he's done. I had the chance to first see him a couple years ago at Abandoned Dunes, the uh, junior amateur championship that he won. You told me, watch out. This young man is talented. He can play. He certainly has uh, lived up to all the hype. But how surprised are you, maybe the transition, how seemingly easy it's been from him uh, for him to join your program? Yeah, I mean, I, I expected a lot from him coming in. Everybody did, but nobody could have really expected this. Uh, from day one on the team, he made an impression, just his shots, honestly, just the way he hits it, his composure, his poise, his uh, just how he approaches his mental maturity and emotional maturity. He's, he's really remarkable. And it, the guys were kind of in awe on him of the first qualifier. He actually won our first qualifier. We played a six-round qualifier on – on six courses that he'd never seen. And he shot 29 under and, 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 and won the qualifying and guys played well. Uh, so he's left quite an impression. I'm a little surprised he's played so well. I think as you think about transition, you know, look at the next month or two when, you know, school gets deeper into school and the rigors of travel and uh, fatigue start to hit in and life hits you a little bit more. Uh, I, I'm, I think he's going to do great, but um, you know, that's the real challenge I think is ahead for him. What's that qualifier called, Matt? The Scorcher? No, that one's that's the Scorcher's the one we have in August. Uh, this okay. one is the statement. Oh, the statement. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I name yeah. everything. And and the statement's the one we have in the winter. And and it's uh yeah, he beat I, I told the guys the other day, guys, like some of you need to start beating him at something. I mean, he's winning a lot of our practice drills, Drew. I'm like, you guys, you need to start beating him. He needs to he needs to know he needs to be here still. And uh, Riggs is like, man, I, tr I tried. He goes, I shot 28 under in the first qualifier, and it wasn't enough. I'm like, yeah, you're right. You're right. It's, he's tough to beat right now. Yeah, those types of talents sometimes don't come to college golf. What, what was the secret to getting Wen Yi in Tempe? And then it took a while, too. It took a, it took a semester to get him, get him in. Yeah, I mean, he was he was ready to go in August. There was no real delay there. Uh, he he had a chance to play the Asian Games, uh, his country, China. You know, they're, they're what they say goes, and and they wanted him not only to come over for that, but to to play to come over two weeks to practice beforehand. So now we're missing three weeks. Wanted to play the Asia Pacific Amateur. Wanted to play the World Amateur. Those kind of things. And it's like, well, you know, it just probably doesn't make sense first semester uh, to to do that. So, so we both decided it wasn't like he was waffling on coming and we just both decided it's probably better for him to wait until January, which is hard for him. He was ready to go uh, in August, like even to two days before school started. And we're like, no, let's just hold off. So, um, you know, yeah, I think in his case, I mean, everybody kept asking, is he, is he really going to show up? I mean, what, what, there is no better place to be for an offer right now than, college golf. I mean, the best opportunity, even, even look at this. I mean, everyone is talking about when you ding more than they've ever talked about when you ding because he played great in his first two college events. This is really good for him. Um, I, it's cool to see his language skills. He, he speaks English pretty well, but now he has to speak English because he's around a bunch of uh, people speaking English all the time. And he's, he's developing in that, 
you know, handling the, the team and the social life and being on his own really for the first time. Uh, he and his dad are extremely close uh, and he's on his own now for the first time. And that's new for him. All of this is stuff that it's really important to learn in college, um, you know, to prepare yourself for your professional career. You guys have a really neat culture, I think, just with some of the the characters you have on the team and the personalities. How does how does Yi kind of fit in right now, and what's he like off the golf course? Because we just see this kind of stone cold killer with all the tools on it. Um, what's he like to coach? He is a very warm person, like the most like happy, kind, just gentle person. Uh, so. Uh, he hasn't had a bad day yet. Even when he like when he misses putts, he just laughs and kind of smiles. When I mean, he, he's self-deprecating. He's like, "Man, I can't read any putts. I my wedge game is so bad. Like I can't make anything." Like he's always kind of teasing himself and making fun of himself. Um, he's he's not the life of the party, but he certainly blends in nicely and is probably much more outgoing and and chatty than people would realize. Uh, he his English is coming along, so he can say more. But he's comfortable speaking. He's very comfortable in his own skin. Uh, he's he's you know he's he works hard, but he's not like a, a guy that can't leave the range. He knows what he needs to do and does it. Uh, so he's fit in great, and and the guys have done a great job with him too. I mean, here's a guy that's going to come in and probably bump somebody out of the lineup. But, well, I mean, clearly, uh, he's he's coming in midseason to an already excellent team, and he's kind of taken someone's spot in the lineup. So for them to embrace him like they have. Uh, and I think I'll, in a lot of ways, they're learning things from him, too. Uh, it's a great opportunity for them. A couple of them have thanked me for for bringing him in because they're learning a lot and they realize they need to improve. Sounds reminiscent of a young Spaniard who went to Tempe about a decade ago who had language issues, couldn't speak um, comfortably. And John yeah. Rahm figured that out and became <laughs> the, the very best player in the world. So you, you bring up an interesting point, Matt, of he's now taken a spot. It's going to challenge others on what is already a very good team. How can you use that inspiration, motivation in a positive light? Because we're still dealing with young men, college kids, that some of them might get a little upset, shall we say, to say, why is this guy taking his, my spot? Understandably, the scores show it. But from a coach, how do you deal with a special talent and try to – weave him into the fabric of your program. Yeah, I, I think uh, our first meeting of the year, uh, and we've talked about it all year, but in, even in the in this first one in the spring, before we ever had a qualifying, we talked about this. Said, hey, look, we're going to have this many players that are this good and really good players are going to be sitting on the bench. How, do, how are we going to respond to that? This is going to define who we are as a team and how we, how we, how our culture is. And if we're really the family, we say we are. And, so we just kind of did some scenarios and I asked them, okay, how, what's the right way to respond? What's a, what's, what's a typical way to respond? What would be the wrong way to respond? And, and I think, you know, us going through that exercise and imagining it beforehand was good. Uh, they said all the right things. They know it. Uh, part of it, it depends on what you value. I mean, is, is going to a tournament your end all be all, or is being on a team that's amazing with some of the best golfers in the world, your end all be all. And sometimes that means you might not play in the line. That means you may not play in the lineup, but that's pretty cool too. You know? So just trying to focus on that, the opportunity to be around awesome players is maybe a lot more valuable than playing a tournament here or there that you would have played on another team. I think, I think that works, that works fine for us. 
you want to ultimately get to the postseason playing your best golf. Sort of a two-pronged question here. How much pressure did you guys feel for three years at Greyhawk to get it done? And that might lead into the second question of how much more beneficial might it be to get away from, quote-unquote, a home game heading out to La Costa in a few months? Yeah, we had a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure. Uh, and we dealt with it every day because it was kind of omnipresent in this community, the idea of the NCAA championship, and everybody watched it and knew it was coming again. Uh, a day didn't go by that someone, is this, is the, is this the year, guys? Are you guys going to win it this year? I mean, that's a lot to put on these guys. And for me, I mean, maybe this is, you know, being negative or motivated by fear or but, but uh, you know, regionals is the one that scared me. I mean, I see all this work and I'm thinking, guys, like regionals is no picnic. You, you people, great teams miss it every year. And imagine if we missed regionals uh, with all of this going on at the NCAA championship in our own town. So I almost felt like once we got the regionals, I was relaxed and we could, we could let it rip a little bit of NCAAs. And we didn't win the championship, but we, we fared very well. I mean, we made match play every year. We were, we, we won three matches. We got to the finals. I mean, it wasn't like we failed. Um, this year, though, I mean, it's nice to know that it's somewhere over there, that we don't have to think about it, that we just show up and, uh, you know, hopefully somewhat anonymously and under the radar compared to the last few years, and that we can just focus on that and, um, and, and play well. You know, we'll see. One other thing to add to that, Burko, he has two uh, San Diegans in – in this lineup on his roster and Luke Potter and Connor Williams as well. So a little bit of uh, ASU West or, or, or Southwest over there at La Costa. Now, Matt, before you got to ASU, gosh, almost a decade ago, you were at Washington. You coached a, a guy by the name of Nick Taylor, who obviously won the Phoenix Open uh, on Sunday. I, I saw an interesting post it was a media guide, I believe, and you gave a good scouting report on Nick, and you said you never coached someone who could raise his game so much in difficult conditions and high-pressure situations. Why did you say that, and is there a good example of, of that from when he was in college? Yeah, I mean, there's examples of Nick over and over. Whenever he has a chance to win, almost always he does. He I mean, I was a guy in my career that when I was in contention or I was nervous, my swing got about half the length. I couldn't sleep the night before. I mean, I was jumpy, nervous, walking too fast. I mean, and I, I could learn to manage it here and there, but it, I'm hyper aware of how difficult that is under pressure. And I saw from the very beginning with Nick Taylor, a guy that when he was under pressure, literally his swing slowed down. It, the rhythm was better. The flow was better. He walked in a better cadence. His The way he spoke and thought, his, like even when I'm walking with him, the way his mind worked and he processed shots became clearer and tighter. And it was, it, was a, it was a thing to watch. It was over and over again. So I can't really give you one example because it's just who he is. Like he, he literally became a different person under pressure. It made him way better. And I'd never seen that before. Like his shots went from being, you know, okay and pretty good and a little squirrely at times to being just pinpoint accurate under pressure. You saw that again at the Phoenix Open. I, I loved how they showed multiple times his eyes, uh, his interaction with his caddy. And you see what looks like a very stoic guy, um, but his eyes are always, you know, straightforward. He's not, you know, he's not bouncing around. He's not moving fidgety or moving around. He's not giddy or trying to 
you know, created any sort of diversion to get out of the situation. He is locked in. And you think, okay, this guy doesn't have a lot of emotion. He's not feeling it. And then you watch him make the putt and there's this eruption of emotion and energy. And you realize, wow, that, that was intense. He was into that. And uh, that's just Nick. I, 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 it's amazing, honestly. Like it's, it's amazing. And I've noticed it from the beginning, even from before I had him as a recruit, like that is a special gift. And if he can get himself in contention, he's going to win a lot of the time. Uh, and he has now won four times. If anything, I've been surprised that Nick, um, uh, frankly, that it's taken him this long what is he probably 35, you know, to win as much as he has, because I, I know how great he is. And uh, this is nothing new um, to make those putts. Like he did to hit those wedge shots. Uh, he's been doing it for a long time. Yeah, his golf game on the PGA tour seems like it's finally starting to catch up to his Mario Kart game. He, he was roommates with Joel Damon. What was that dynamic? Like, I mean, I remember <laughs> you saying a lot of, a lot of late nights playing, playing video games, but what was that? Uh, you know, that relationship like between those two guys from what you observed? Well, I, you know, I only got to coach Joel for a year and it was a, t it was a tough year for Joel, but he actually stayed and I was roommates with him for, for another year after. Uh, but Nick was always as serious as he looks on the golf course. He's a, he's a complete screw off, off the course and a fun, uh, has a lot of fun, whatever we were doing, he was doing it full throttle and doing it well. He was, he is elite at Mario Kart. Uh, I can't say I'm an expert on Mario Kart, but but he is an elite player. I've seen him play multiple times, and it's it's crazy what these guys can do. Uh, Joel is a special person. They have a cool relationship. Uh, it's like a deep brothers relationship, and a lot of love there between each other. And um, I'm I'm so thrilled to see both of them. You know, they were in the same recruiting class, and that's a that turns out to be a pretty good 2006 recruiting class. Now, going back to La Costa for a second, um, I, I know it's maybe controversial is not the right word, but there's some coaches who like the idea of college golf going to more of an Omaha format where we go back to the same place over and over and over again. What are your thoughts on that? What side of the side of the debate uh, do you fall on right now? Yeah, I think I can kind of understand both sides of it. Um, I like, I think I like the Omaha model because I think in the long term, it brings more exposure and familiarity with, with college golf and more attention, which I think in the end is great. Uh, you know, what do you like better? The Masters, where it's at the same place every year and everyone knows every putt, or the U.S. Open, which is it's about the venue maybe more at the masters it's about the venue but but people kind of touch and feel and really get it where yeah. um uh you know the u.s open is one co great course after the other I, I, you know it's kind of a preference thing and i you know it i don't know if it's controversial it is more just of a preference thing i think either way you can make a great argument if someone is super strong on one side they're probably not you know open-minded enough to see the other side because uh again to use my masters and u.s open example they're both amazing championships. And it's just a matter of what you choose. Uh, I like, I like the idea of going back. I like the idea of people knowing the course and being able to build up a hype and a narrative on certain shots, certain holes to, to compare history with, you know, what happened in previous years. I think that adds a lot uh, to the championship. And, and you say that Matt, and it popped into my mind, Joe Highsmith out of the fairway bunker at 18 at Greyhawk. You go back there for a few years, we can roll in that shot and say, this is the history 
that is being built. Uh, to your point, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. And as we wrap things up for you, talking La Costa, what do you need to see from your team in the coming weeks and months from a coaching standpoint to believe that you're positioned to play your very best? Yeah, a lot of people think, oh, you need to be your best at the end of the year. And and that, that's it's all building to this moment, right, where you have this peak performance. And I, I want to try to get out of that thinking. I want to get into the thinking like, no, we just need to be awesome all the time. And it starts with this tournament. And I think the more awesome you are all year, the more comfortable you will be being awesome at the NCAA championship. So we're not trying to get lucky or catch lightning in a bottle. We're trying to be great every day, every tournament. And we think that'll translate. It's a, it's a time in college now, uh, especially the top handful of top teams, absolutely loaded. When you're talking about Vindy, on us, like these teams, I think are historically deep and good. Uh, so you can play amazing and still get beat by these guys. Uh, so, you know, so much of it is out of your control, but I think we're just trying to get really, really good so that when we step on the first tee, we know we, we have what it takes uh, and, and to roll, you know, to get after it. Well, it's a great time to be part of college golf for Brentley and me covering it for you to be one of the best head coaches in the country. Matt, always good to catch up. Good uh Good shooting there, Tex in Hawaii, and uh, maybe you'll get North Carolina next time around. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Matt Thurman, head men's golf coach, Arizona State. Always good to spend some time. I, I like that, Brentley. It sort of jumped out to me because I fall and pray to it of trying to get ready to play your best in May. Hey, the heck with it. Play your best every single day, every single week. And, uh, you know, they played really well in Hawaii. Uh, you know, Matt referenced Hawaii just um you know north carolina was just better but when you look at the scores and your takeaways uh, what did you see not see from some teams um to just sort of figure it out yeah this is uh a really eerie uh eerily similar to this arizona state team that we saw last year just in terms of they they haven't won yet but they've been in contention they've had a whole bunch of seconds and thirds and fourths and some really tough events and they're just really deep i mean they've showed that and clearly north carolina got the better end of the deal and we'll talk more about them here in a second but I, i'm just really impressed by coach thurman and the sun devils being able to kind of plug in a guy like connor williams who's a freshman from san diego and he made his college debut only a couple of weeks ago at Arizona's event down in Tucson, finished top 25 there. But um, sure, it helps when you have a guy who shoots 27 under, but um, they're they're deep. I mean, they left Riggs Johnson at home. They left Luke Potter at home. Both those guys, 90th and 38th in the World Amateur Golf Ranking, respectively. Um, and Preston Summerhays, T63, that's his worst finish in college golf so far. So I always like it, especially at this time of year when – maybe some of your guns either weren't there or didn't play all that well and you still almost won the golf tournament. I think that bodes well because when you look at the the weather there in Scottsdale, it's perfect. The facilities are top notch. Like these guys are going to be ready and they're going to have their games at an A minus level at the bare minimum uh, once we get in into crunch time. And if some of them aren't, there's some guys that will because they have that depth. 
Yeah. Well, when you ding, as Matt alluded to, phenomenal. Could be one of those special players lapping the field there. North Carolina making a statement as a team. Auburn finished third. You've been bullish on the Tigers. I think that's good for them to make that journey and sort of go to toe to toe with some of the best uh, squads in the country. But Texas Tech, Washington, Pepperdine, good showings. Uh, it's, honestly, it's it's nice to see Pepperdine play well. We were somewhat critical of them, but I believe fairly so of what are they going to do? What are they going to bring uh, week in, week out as they try to retool uh, that lineup? Yeah, they, they still have a bit of a mountain to climb, I think, as it relates to the rankings, getting maybe a potential at-large or even winning their conference, getting that automatic bid and the 500 rule, something else to kind of watch out for with them. But Again, as we talked about the last episode last week, I mean, this is just a uh, this is a year where I think Michael Beer is just going to have a lot of fun trying to develop some guys who maybe some other coaches passed on, and so that'll be something to watch out for them. And going back to North Carolina for a second, this was probably the chance for Auburn to show, like, hey, we are really the number one team in the country. I think J.M. Butler not qualifying, not playing uh you know in in qualifying the last few weeks like the player that we know he can be like they didn't really come in at at full strength but at the same time I, I don't think there's much you can do about North Carolina especially when you have a guy like Peter Fountain who in my opinion was the MVP this week for them he finishes top 10 he only had three top 10s last year was in and out of the lineup didn't play at all this past fall and here's a kid who won the individual title at the ACCs as a freshman back in 20, 2021, I believe it was. And then the very next year gets in a playoff with Jacob Bridgman at that championship and nearly wins a second one. So he's got the game clearly um, to compete and contend for medals at the biggest tournaments. And he's your five guy. And I think he's going to need to be their five guy. And if he is, this is a really, really dangerous team. And even when you get into the match play format, you're talking about, getting three points against Austin Greaser, David Ford, Maxwell Ford, Peter Fountain, and Dylan Minetti. I mean, good luck because uh, there's not too many teams who I, I think could even bat, you know, one for 10, uh, you know, getting three points against that lineup. But I, I think I wrote down what buying, selling, you know, Pepperdine, obviously a good week, selling Stanford. I mean, 11th out of 15 teams or 11th out of 18 teams, something like that. Um, I know Texas had a poor week, but they're young. Oregon kind of didn't play well. But you look at the 500 rule right now, and Stanford's 12-53-1. They have a couple of big field events in the Prestige and the Goodwin, which is a mega field event. I think it's still a 2014-team uh, tournament. Um, but only two other regular season events until Pac-12s after that. Like Time is running out for them. And Michael Thorpe Bjornsson, the back, at least in my opinion, clearly isn't hundred percent because he didn't play a couple weeks after playing in Dubai. He comes back, he finishes outside the top 70. I know it's a tough field, but you got to go out and make birdies and he just didn't do it. So I, I'm pressing the alarm button on Stanford. Um, I, I don't know about you, but I, I'm, I'm fairly, uh, fairly concerned for them right now. Did, did, did you just say they're 41 under 500? 12 yeah. 53. Oh, better go out. It might be, it might be game over. Events. 
to be honest. Yeah, and, uh, you don't want to be too reactionary, but you do the quick math, you better beat 85 to 90% of everyone else you play the rest of the way to even sniff getting to 500. They do have the good one, so they could they could gain 20. They could pick up or yeah. back there, but I mean, Pac-12 is uh, is is no cakewalk. Um, they could finish in the bottom half of the field there. Cabo, they could easily finish in the bottom half, maybe even last there. Michael Thorborn's gotta get it together and then some. So um, so yeah, I mean, you, you can't afford that that guy outside the top 70. You just, you got no chance. Yeah, and with the struggles, PGA Tour U still hanging on to number one. Uh, love the initiative, love the rankings. I think there needs to be more volatility. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not I mean, saying one bad one week. over, over like, Lampert. He's won twice in two yeah. big events. But we can get into that more as the spring moves on to see how much maybe it actually does move. And I know it's a body of work, um, but I still believe at the top there needs to be more potential changing uh, of those rankings week in, week out. Some other men's results, Georgia three-shot win over Virginia down in Puerto Rico, Tennessee third. So there is life after Caleb Surratt. Good to see that. North Florida, Oklahoma, Old Miss, top five. Um, the Sooners were hanging around. You were bullish on them. Uh, Virginia tried to make a late charge on that final day. It's very similar. I used to go to that event back in the day of, it's kind of like Hawaii. If the wind doesn't blow, they're going to shoot 30, 40, 50 under par. And I don't think that's the worst way for teams to start a spring season. Let's go out and not have to get our teeth kicked in right out of the gate. Although if you remember a couple years ago, didn't Chris Goderup go out and uh, shoot like a million under par or something and play well at that event. I, I can't, I can't he remember. Did. He won the and then he got into comments. the PGA tour event. Uh, I don't know. There's two, I, I think good scores build confidence. Um, and it's fun. Anytime you're going down to Puerto Rico. Yeah. I mean, this, this was a big week for Georgia. I mean, shocker there, right? They, they win, they edge Virginia who had a really great final round. I think Brian Lee and Ben James, are, a, a really lethal one, two punch. And, it's kind of Ben James's time to shine right now because two two of his junior golf buddies, Caleb Surratt, Nick Dunlap, have moved off to professional golf. But Georgia is a team who, I mean, for as good as they were in the 2000s and early 2010s and all the stars that have come through that program, they've been kind of quiet these past few years. I know they've had a couple studs, you know, whether it's Davis Thompson or Trent Phillips, but as a team, they really haven't done much. and this uh, could be, you know, one of those bright spots that kind of gets them going. I still think Beck Burnett, the transfer that they got from Lee University, um, he he needs to step up just a little bit more. But um, you know, this is a this is a solid team that I think could could contend in an SEC. I mean, they're still a ways away from being in the conversation, especially when we talk about getting over there on the West Coast and you know playing all the way across the country. Maybe not being used to that, but. Um, Yes, I mean solid week for uh, for Hacker and the boys, and uh, Tennessee. I mean, I I, I still need to see a, a little bit more. I mean, third's nice, um, but Bryce Lewis um, T sixteen. I mean, this needs to be his floor and not just his fairly good week because he's had has a couple finishes outside the top uh, thirty four. So um, this is his time to step up and fill that void left by Surratt. 
Otherwise, Tennessee is a team I think that we're going to be seeing getting to regionals and maybe not getting through at this point. Take a look at some of the women's results down in the Bahamas. Tulsa taking care of Iowa State by three. Kentucky third, Mississippi State fifth, Michigan tenth of 11. So uh, not good. Football's good. Women's golf. (laughs) Yeah, you know, um, work to do for the Wolverines. But, uh, you know, I want to see Kentucky and Mississippi State, a couple of programs we're going to see at the Darius Rucker in a few weeks of can they make that jump to contend for an SEC championship, to battle Florida, to battle Auburn, to battle Texas A&M. Because to me, there's there's a divide there. There's potential, but I I need to see it more, um, you know, on a week-to-week basis, like South Carolina, who beat Virginia by one at the San Diego State Classic. Oregon third, Kiara Romero wins for a second time. And Derek Radley needs Kiara to play well. It's good to see South Carolina go west, maybe get a little comfortable. San Diego State, La Costa right down the road. Uh, We see coaches scheduling a lot differently relative to where regionals could be for them and then the NCAA championships. Yeah, you know, I I, I think this is a big big moment for your chickens because – they're going to get to the NCAA championships. And even though, even though they made match play last year, they're probably going to like the narrative around them. is going to be you know, this, this team is a little soft when it comes to the, you know, the, the final tournament of the season. They didn't have, uh, they had back to back pretty, um, I don't want to use the term you know, subpar, but not great NCAA championships back to back years before, uh, what they did last year, getting to the quarterfinals and then bowing out. But um, so th- this is a confidence boost. And they're also doing it with Hannah Darling kind of being in the shadows. I mean, she's not, at least right now, the player who played like she did as a freshman and a sophomore where she's winning tournaments and finishing second and finishing third. I mean, she has one finish inside the top 10 this year. And actually... I don't think she has a top 10. Oh, she has one top 10. So um, they got a couple freshmen at the back end of the lineup. Uh, I like this heck girl. She's big. She's athletic. I think she could be uh, a future star by the end of this spring for Kaylin Anderson and and her team. I think they got to be the favorites heading into the Darius here in a couple weeks. We're going to see Oregon there as well. And Kiara Romero is, you know, she's a player that, I'm actually interested to kind of see play in person because um, you may have seen her at the girls junior, right, Burko? Yeah. I mean, she is force Academy. She can play. She is powerful. She's got big hands, big feet. Like she just, she has a lot in the tank and um, she's going to be a fun one to watch as she kind of matures between the ears, gets more comfortable in college golf. I, I think she could be a player on the LPGA that that's an absolute stud. Um, uh, and we're already starting to see it. She was one of the four winners in the fall at the Annika, which is traditionally one of the tougher fields. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this is um, uh, this this was a pretty good litmus test. Uh, these two events, you know, San Diego, uh, Bahamas, uh, Georgia, getting kind of back into the mix after a really terrible fall. It helps to get a top fifty player in the world in Savannah de Bach from Belgium. Uh, I know that. Uh, Bulldogs are really happy to uh, to have her kind of at the top of that lineup. So 
yeah, um, pretty, uh, pretty uh, couple of stout events there. Yeah, and a schedule loaded and littered with great tournaments coming up for the men and the women. For the men's side, you got the Gator, the Prestige, the John Burns in Hawaii, the Water Sound Invitational, and the Border Olympics. Best, and then the women. Best, best tournament name in college golf, the Border Olympics. You like the Border Olympics? I mean, it's it's a great name. You would never know it's a golf tournament. I agree. I'm glad it's you clarified. Like yeah, it's almost like the throwdown up top. I mean, we need to get more of those. I like it. And then the women, Pac-12 preview, and then the Moon Golf Invitational. You're going to be there. You're going to potentially sit down with a newcomer to the college game, right, for yeah. future podcasts. Yeah, going to try to get some time with Anna Davis, although there there is some weather coming, as you alerted to me, Burko. So the Gators are getting pushed up and uh, the moon golf. I, I didn't think there was much weather on the moon, but, um, you know, clearly, you know, clearly uh, they're, they, they're not impervious to the uh, tough conditions. But, yeah, uh, excited to sit down, excited to see a tournament that, you know, it has gotten better and better each year. I mean, this has become a, you know, one of the maybe five or six toughest fields of the year. I mean, Wake's coming down now to play. You got Auburn there. Um, they're obviously, uh, Ann Moon, you know, she is an, an Auburn alum and, um, who owns Moon Golf and she left college golf. So, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm pumped to get down there for at least a day. And then we'll, we'll see you at the, at the Darius here in uh, a couple of weeks. Yep, going to be here before we know it. Our thanks to Matt Thurman for joining us. Always good to catch up with the head coach from Arizona State. You enjoy the moon golf. We will do it again next week right here on College Golf Talk. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people.